Welcome to a new episode of the Rec Parenting Podcast. I am Anna, the founder and CEO of Rec Parenting. Today, we talk with Lucas Degrassi, whom I am sure you know if you are into motor racing. Lucas started racing at the age of seven, and from then on, he became the best in the world in Formula 3 in 2005, the runner-up in the World Endurance Championship in 2016, and the best Brazilian ever in the 24 hours of Le Mans with three podiums. Between 2005 and 2011, Lucas was involved in Formula One, either as an official driver for Virgin Racing, a test driver for Renault and Pirelli, and a reserve driver for Renault. These days, Lucas races in the FIA Formula E Championship, which he won in 2017. But Lucas is much more than a race driver. His profound knowledge of technology and sustainability led him to create the organization Smart Driving, with the aim of teaching people to drive while polluting less. In 2018, he was appointed the UN Clean Air Ambassador. Lucas drives because he wants to win. To achieve these victories, he prepares himself technically, emotionally, and physically. I believe that this is the way he approaches parenting as well. He prepares for it. He does his research because he truly wants to be the best father that Leo and Beatrice can have. He believes that if all parents were to do the same, the world would be a better place. Enjoy the episode. Lucas de Grassi, welcome to the Rec Parenting Podcast. It's lovely to have you here. Thanks, Anna, for the invitation. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. So, Lucas, tell us, you know, in this podcast, we talk about parenting and families. So tell us about, about your own childhood, your family, where you grew up, who with. Um, so I'm Brazilian. I was uh, born in Sao Paulo and raised there. I have uh, one older half-brother from my uh, father's first marriage. Uh, he's um, uh, 11 years older than me, and I have a younger brother, five years younger than me, from the same mom and dad. Uh, my parents are still married to this day, so now 40, 41 years um, married together. And uh, uh, yeah, I had, a, I had an amazing childhood. Um, my father and mom, they are very different from their personalities and the way I was raised. Um, my father was uh, traveling a lot for work when I was very, very young, uh, up to maybe when I was five or six. So I was mainly with my mom. My mom is the typical Italian mom, very, uh, very, uh, uh, you know, very emotive, very passionate, like treating me like I was like, the, uh, me and my brother, like you know, dressing me with um, with the colors and <laughs> putting uh, so and, and crying when I was traveling. You know, it, it was very um, very attached. And uh, my father was on the military, so very strict, very straightforward. Even to this day, he doesn't say goodbye on the phone. It's just like, ah, Lucas, how are you? I said, ah, I'm okay, Dad. That's it. <laughs> to the point. So, 
yeah uh, so my mom is totally the opposite like it's sending me like 20 messages a day how am i how is the kids how is the grandkids so it's um um i had a uh yeah a, a good childhood i never i had to i had to i had to find my way through you know to the to the i was always in the same school i was a the deal I had with my, my with my family is that if I if I did well in school I could race go karts which is what I w- like to do. So then I was doing well in school and racing go karts. So my mom could never actually take <laughs> me out of the go kart. And yeah, and my and my younger brother is um, uh, he has some form of autism. So it was uh, um, uh, and up to this day it's 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 difficult uh, to deal with that. Uh, for my parents, especially, but for me as well, because I'm, I have to take care of him. It's, it's more that I take care of him than my friend. Mm. So, um, so he was always uh, very, very shy, you know, very, uh, not very sociable, like to do the whole things on his own way and having his own space and very good in like computing and games and stuff like this. But, um, in the end, didn't do university. Doesn't work. Mm. Um, but also does his own things. Never did any drugs or anything. So in the end, um, the family is quite stable, and we we are we are quite lucky. Um, all my parents are from Italy. Uh, my grandparents they're all migrated from Italy after the war. Uh, so the the family is very big. Have a lot of cousins, and everybody's in Brazil. Okay. So you, yeah, grew up, you grew up surrounded by your extended family as well. Um, I grew up, um, yeah, going to my grandparents every Sunday for uh, for lunch, you know, all the family there. Like we, we are about 20 cousins. So there were everybody there, like big mess, fights and running. And every week we were there. My wife's family, the same, very, very close together. Like we are the only ones living outside of Brazil. Even if my older brother, he did uh, university in the U.S. and he did an MBA in the U.S., but everybody now is in Brazil. Where we are the only ones from my wife's side and, 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 and me outside of Brazil, for uh, abroad from Brazil for, for that long. So it's been almost... and how, how do you feel about that? Do you feel like, like you're missing out things by not being in Brazil, but that, that your kids maybe are missing out things? Or do you feel that, is, that you're lucky that you can have, you know, another opportunity you know different uh, life for a bit everything in life i i think it, there, there's a huge cost of opportunity right when you choose one thing you don't choose another mm-hmm. 100 things yeah um so in the same time i missed a lot of things in brazil i miss my best friend wedding i miss you know many birthdays i miss a lot of time with my parents with my with my friends I was following my passion and my dream, which was to to race cars for a living, which I was then very lucky enough to be able to to do it for the past twenty years. Mm. So it is it, it was a choice, um, but I regret zero of it. Um, I had an I had a I had and I have an amazing life so far, and uh, I think for the kids my duty as a father is to give them a better education a better childhood than i had it is very difficult but that's how i try to uh to set my standards at 
when I'm uh, educating my own. And before we talk about your kids, let's think about um, your childhood. So you started racing when you were 10, more or less, right? Uh, seven, eight, yes. So yeah. how, how did I start racing? So um, I always liked cars uh, from a very, very young age, but like every boy does, like with the cars and everything. And uh, we used to make our own when we were about five, six, to, you know, the, 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 the carts that go downhill and, you know, you have to read it some races and, I was always very competitive as a child, and then uh, my father, my father was racing uh, in go karts, but for fun, like one weekend here, one weekend there, and he put me to drive with him, but almost like a father and son um, fun thing to do, fun thing or relationship yeah. uh, to get the relationship closer with the interest when I was about seven, eight years old. And then, like, he would race, I would practice, he would race, and we would practice together, he would teach me some lines. And, but uh, back then, I wanted to be a football player, I wanted to be a, a go-kart driver, I wanted to be an astronaut, Yeah. I wanted to be an engineer. Like every little so, child. Like like every little child. And then, I think if my father wouldn't, my father saw that I was, I, I progressed very quickly, and I was at a very uh, good level very quickly. So I think my father saw that I had potential and he incentivized me to, to, to do it more and to do it more seriously uh, instead of, because of course we all have bad days. If you wake up and say, I don't want to drive today or this week, I'm not feeling well, or you lost the last race and you say, look, I don't care about this anymore. And my father was always there, no, no, try again, try one more, try one more. And if it was not his, um, him organizing everything for me, I, I don't think I will ever I wouldn't have reached where I am for sure. And and I regret zero because looking back when you're seven or eight, you cannot make all the decisions for your life. So I'm also, when you take that back to other context, um, I think about it like giving the possibility for the child to choose only what he or she wants at a very young age. Mm. Also, it's... Um, I don't think it's the correct thing to do because they know very little to what is going to be best for them for the future or or, or any other relation according to this. So um, my father pushed me, and uh, but I have no other professional racing driver in my family. So I was kind of then my my uncle got involved, and then my uncle was taking care of me or my career in the early stage, and yeah. And your mom, she didn't. She didn't. Yeah, my mom. My mom hated me <laughs> today. Like, she calls me just before the Monaco race, like last weekend, and like, uh, you race, but you race slowly. I said, Mom, <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> I love that. Um, <laughs> but then at the time, you know, growing up, I guess there were moments that you know you couldn't go to our birthday party, or you couldn't go out at like that night. You couldn't drink. You couldn't, you know, do all those things that you know, young children and teenagers do did you ever regret it at the point at the moment do you ever say i don't want to do this anymore and looking back do you ever feel that you have missed things uh, of course i missed a lot of things i missed uh I, I missed my college graduation party i missed many weddings i missed many birthday parties i missed uh when i was 18 and i moved to the uk to race professionally uh, and I left university 
uh, I remember very, very well. It was uh, end of January. It was winter in the UK, and you know how winter in the UK is. I was living in a, <laughs> I was living in a one-bedroom flat in the suburbs of Oxford, um, in the middle of the countryside, by myself. I barely spoke English, and my my friends they were in the middle of the carnival, uh, in in Salvador in Bahia. Twenty of them having the time of their lives, and I was in the UK. But looking back, I think this created the hunger. And I said, look, I'm, I'm here. So next race, mm -hmm. I have to win this race. I'm already compromising so much stuff to be here. And I'm going to take this very, very, very seriously. And I'm going to do whatever it takes to get there. Um, so I, I think in one way, this negative feeling if you're able to control it and you're able to to direct it, you know, puts the carrot in, in the right the, the, the position, yeah. The in carrots the and the stick in the right position for you to 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 have a driving force to what you want. But it's very easy, you know, after you lose one race or you lose again and say I'm compromising all of this, you know, to lose, then I'm gonna go back. So also, I was lucky that my results came quite early and then I could get motivated to get better and better and better. And then that's 20 years of my life doing exactly that. Have you had any moment in which maybe you have said, it's not worth it, I'm going to stop or not, never? Um, I got really frustrated in my Formula One uh, time because my team was so bad that... Um, a bit like this year, you know, in, uh, in Formula E, uh, the team was so bad that you, you know that if you do your best job, you're not going to be enough to be on the podium or not even score points. You're just going to be a number there in the middle of the race and you can do the best race of your life. It doesn't really matter. You're going to be 14th instead of 15th or something mm -hmm. like this. And then I was like, yeah, I think it's maybe time to you know. I reached already Formula 1. I raced here. Maybe it's time to stop and to focus on other things. Yeah, and then, you know, then I met Alejandro, then we started doing Formula E, and then everything started again. So um, I think it's a matter of being competitive and being in the right spot and have the right motivation. But is the motivation to win or to, is it the speed and the adrenaline no, rush that I guess you no, have? No, for me, for me, it's the winning. It's not winning. the speed. No, I, I don't, I get very little adrenaline by driving. Um I get adrenaline by the competition. The, the, the driving becomes a technique, right? So the, there is, it, it does not, uh, accord, contrary to a lot of uh, what people think, driving requires, nowadays at least, very little courage at all, if any. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure about that. <laughs> no, but it's true. Uh, I, I, I mean, you need a certain amount of, but in terms of realistic uh, in real statistical chances of getting hurt is in, in motorsport yeah. is very very small yeah. so it's it's it i don't i wouldn't let's put it this way i wouldn't go faster if i had more courage um i would just crash more probably mm -hmm. um so uh what it means is it becomes a technique it becomes a like for example let's say with analogy of tennis is not the guy that hits the hardest that wins the game. You have to hit hard when it's, you have to hit hard, but you have to also uh, not do mistakes when you don't have to do mistakes. So in racing, it's like this. If you try a corner too fast, 
you end up crashing and you cannot crash every time. So it, 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 it's, it is its balance. So um, what I'm trying to say with this is that uh, my adrenaline, my what I get anxious about before every race, what I get anxious is the competition, is the winning, is the pressure, is, is, is the result. It's not, uh, um, it's, it's not driving a car. So I guess you are as competitive in any aspect of your life. So if we play cards, you will be as competitive. Yes, ask Alejandro <laughs> about our, our ping pong uh, uh, competition. <laughs> and one thing that I'm interested, Lucas, because if you look at the, you know, the, the especially teenagers and young adults these days, what we're seeing is that they have issues um, accepting failure, right? And and they have no, they very little, have very little resilience. They we're not teaching them to overcome problems and difficulties. But I guess for you, you know, when you were a kid and you were racing and you would lose a race or things wouldn't go as well as you hoped, you had to learn to cope with, you know, disappointment and failing. How did you, you know, which mechanisms did you have? And did someone taught you that, like, explicitly? No, but the best advice I would give myself if I... I travel back in time, maybe 20, 25 years, um, would be to uh, to focus on the on on your performance and not the result. The result is not important. Uh, of course, the result is important. But what I mean with this is that the result would come if you focus on your performance. So <clears throat> you uh, failing. It is a cliche that you know failing makes you stronger and this, but failing failing only makes you stronger if you have the right mindset. Mm-hmm. If you have the wrong mindset, uh, fail failure can lead to frustration, which leads to less practice, which leads to more failing, which leads to a downward spiral that is very hard to get out of it. So when you don't focus on the result, when you're focused on your own performance, the results they don't matter in a way um, for you anymore. What you what you have to say is that. What did, what did I do well? What did I do wrong? And how can I get better for the next event? And if you improve 1%, 2% every race you go, you try to find little mistakes and you try to improve, the results will come <clears throat> naturally. And that takes anxiety off as well. Mm-hmm. So um, I think the best way to get out of this uh, bad result uh, frustration, bad practice spiral is to is to focus on yourself and trying to get better every time, regardless of the result. And if you do that, um, the results eventually will come if you have the if you have the right coach and the right practice with you. But I guess that is very, um, very <laughs> difficult also because in your you know in your world you're competing against others and others that maybe you have known all your life because you have been racing together. So, I mean, also you have to be very, very uh, strong so that you don't compare with others, right? You are you are being compared all the time, right? Uh, regardless if it's in racing. Okay, racing is maybe a more direct comparison, mm-hmm. but in life, in the classroom or everywhere. And yes, but people have different qualities, different strengths, different problems. And um, um, yeah, it's very hard when you focus on the result to understand in my opinion where or how you how you how, how why didn't you win or wh- where the problem is 
because in motorsport you have many different components you have the team you have the motor or the engine you have the tires you have the car you have the you know uh the reliability problems and so on uh, and but what can you control out of this one of the uh, philosophy that i tried and i i tried to read and to understand more and more is that I like very much is the Stoics, the Stoicism, mm -hmm. which is basically that you try to improve in your life and you try to focus your energy in things you can control mm -hmm. and things that you can control. Why would you lose energy mm -hmm. and focus and mm -hmm. time on that thing that you cannot control? So my competitors, I can't control how much they practice. Mm -hmm. The only thing I can control is how good I get before every race. So my focus is extremely uh, narrow into that area that I need to improve myself. And then, of course, I need to improve my team. So I go to my engineer because motorsport is a team sport. I go to my engineer and I say, what did you do wrong? What did you do right? How can you improve yourself also? Go to my performance engineer, go to my team manager, go to my physio, go to the uh, tire guy, go to the brake guy, you know, and how, how can we make a step better all the time? And, and, on our each area and then the sum of this uh for sure will, will be more competitive than, than the next race and what do you think about you know there's this saying that many i think most parents use these days saying, saying to kids things like you know uh you can do whatever you want as long as you put your mind to it and your all the effort and which is something that i don't think you know when i was growing up parents used to say uh do you think that's the right advice to tell kids or not you can do whatever you want. Is, is... No, I, I think there are two cliche advices that are very bad. Is first that, uh, or like follow your heart and stuff like yeah. this. Um, which, so the why I, I think this is this is this is not correct. This is correct. I mean, it, there are nuances like everything. Mm. So you have to. If you what you mean by put your mind to it is uh, put all the effort you can on that specific task that you want to accomplish, then I think it's correct. Because if you want to accomplish something, you have to try as hard as possible. <clears throat> but my when I when I think this is very wrong, is that if you try to make an elephant climb a tree, mm. even if the elephant put the mind to climb a tree. You won't. Yeah. Exactly. I, I would have never been an Olympic runner. Uh, I could train as much as I could. So as far as you met with some methodology and some logical analysis, understand what are your qualities, what you like, and what are your strengths as a person, as a professional, and then you put your mind to it, then yes. But simply... Choose something that you want to do with your life and pursue the dream. It could work because some most of the times or a lot of the times, the things that you like the most are the things that you're better off. Mm, but yeah. but if you're not, then and sports is very clear. You know, I mean, you you look at an Olympic short distance runner, a sprint runner. The body type is different from a long distance runner, mm. which is different from a swimmer. In, in Olympics, it's very clear the difference. But in, in, in overall, in society, that works as well. If you have a, if you might be a very good artist or a very good engineer, completely different sets of sets of skills. And yeah. and, and um, 
then the advice put in the context of being focused on what are your strengths, then yes, otherwise no. Yeah. And I agree with you. So you have <coughs> you have talked about your own childhood. Tell us now about the family that you have created uh, with Bianca. Yeah, so I have uh, I have two kids. I have um, Leonardo, which is uh, four years old, and I have Beatrice, which uh, just turned two. So a boy and a girl, and uh, very different personalities between themselves uh, already uh, straight away, and very interesting to see the evolution up to now of uh, of Leo, <clears throat> which is turning five in two months, and 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 Beatrice comparing to Leo when they were at the same at the same age. And it's interesting that you said that they're very different from the beginning because very often parents say, you know, I don't understand it. You know, I have raised my children in exactly the same way and they are so different. And the reality is that we are born differently, right? We have different temperaments or siblings, we have different temperaments. And then parents, even though you think that you're raising them in the same way, we treat them differently because they provoke different reactions on us because they are different, right? Do you yes. see self behaving in very different ways towards towards them i give you my example so i have so i had leo so all the toys in the house every clothes all the the cot the the the, the toys on top of the cot everything i bought for leo so basically a race cars it starts <laughs> the cot is blue with cars around uh, the toys are 90% boys toys with cars and uh, I don't know, ninjas and, you know, dragons and balls and tennis balls around. And Beatrice was born and raised in this environment. So Beatrice was raised in Leo's environment. And uh, Leo has a, a, a very good friend, uh, Penelope, which comes here. <clears throat> uh, the nannies are very good friends. So Penelope is always in the house. We were neighbors before. And the first time Penelope bought a doll, I will never forget. I was, I, I was, kind of close to them, they were playing together. And Beatrice saw Barbie. Her second word was Barbie. <laughs> was mom and then Barbie. <laughs> and she was in love with the dog. I had to buy in the same day, otherwise she wouldn't let Penelope leave the house with the Barbie. I mean, and she had like 300 other toys that she played fine up yeah, to the now. moment she saw yeah, the Barbie. Barbie. So, and you know, she's very calm, not very competitive know exactly what she wants, take the nappy from the three, five dolls she has, feed the dolls. I, we never thought that, uh, never uh, taught them to do that. And and she does not have a, 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 a cousin here, a, 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 a female cousin to look at. Um, yeah. When she has like some other Leo's friends, she kind of tried to, to play, but she was raised in the environment of Leo and the Leo is, only cars and ninjas and fighting and uh, very competitive and uh, you know ride bicycles and play tennis and and Beatrice is the opposite. She's afraid of the bicycle. He, <laughs> when Leo was two, he was already going with the bicycle everywhere. Beatrice goes, but very slowly. She's um, uh, she likes to read books, so she takes like three, four books and read. Uh, yeah. Look at the That's books. And uh, Leo was already much easier to teach, like numbers and letters. And Beatrice is much more coordinated on the on drawing. Mm. So that's something that 
you know, you are as a, as a, as a parent, you teach, you try to be the yeah. same, but eventually already with two years old, they already are mm-hmm. kind of directed in each way. And I, I think the duty is to try to uh, expose them to the most uh, amount of scenarios and, and stuff possible. And then also to incentivize in which, what they like for them to evolve as quick as, quick as they can. And, you know, I think you are very analytical. You do you, your research about everything, right? You like to know your stuff. And did you come to parenting in the same way? Did you do a lot of research and you still do it? Or, or you just go with the flow? How do you approach parenting? <laughs> um, uh, first, uh, we are very lucky that me and my wife, me and Bianca, we uh, we agree on most of, most of the things that we want to teach our, our kid. We have the same uh, vision on how to do it. Of course, we diverge in some. I'm harder with Leo. She's a bit softer. I think the line has to be very clear. No, uh, so when he does something wrong, I put him in the in his room for a few minutes to understand that what well, that was wrong, and she's like a little bit more soft. But ninety nine percent of the things we we coordinate and we discuss a lot about sensitive topics like, uh, you know, uh, uh, um, let's say masculinity dating mm. uh, from uh, from how much we should push him in math or mm. uh, sports or uh, stuff like this. And we do a lot of research. We, we, we listen to some podcasts. <laughs> um, uh, I like a, a controversial figure quite a bit, which is a, a guy called Jordan Peterson. Uh, which I, I we listen. Uh, Jordan Peterson is yeah, very very famous guy because he was uh, he's um, um, his his most controversial topic is about uh, pronouns and mm, and, okay. and stuff like this. But yeah. he's he's very also analytical and very pragmatic and very database on how he. He does his psychology. Um, a lot of people say he's extreme right and stuff like this, but it's, you know how it is. Yeah. <laughs> with the, with the, if you're against pronouns, you are extreme right anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, which uh, which I also something that I disagree completely. And but that's a different it topic. So going back psycholo- to the psychology and politics shouldn't mix. Exactly, and then and and then. Um, I read a couple of books about how to, you know, how to try to, um, in 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 parenting, but also in the in the uh, a little bit of the biology of how the brain works and how the brain develops mm-hmm. and how the kid forms their own personality, which age is doing what how plastic is the brain mm-hmm. how can you incentivize stuff how you can um how can you transform an experience that could be boring and dumb into something that they learn a bit all the time so there is a lot of examples for i don't know at one point leo liked a lot of the stories of the three little pigs mm-hmm. and uh in the beginning i was telling the story of the three little pigs all the time in the same way and i was like after like 10 nights seeing the same story, I was like, he's not learning anything with this. 
So then um, I start telling the stories of the three little pigs, but the pigs, they live in different planets on the solar <laughs> system. So that one pig lived in Mars, the other pig in Venus, and then the rocket, and then the sun heated the rocket, you know. And then you start to kind of teach in creating the same time yeah. and the same moment, exactly the same. But then you're teaching already like the planets and he knows that Jupiter is huge and the gravity is amazing because the, the Jupiter kind of grabbed the rocket of the wolf and the wolf ended up in Jupiter. I mean, <laughs> you come up with this story and I even wrote a book actually that I gave, uh, it's called The Three Little Pigs in Space because of this story. Bianca did all the drawings and we published, we did uh, like 500 <laughs> copies of the book and we distributed the book. But Stuff, stuff like this that are simple stuff, but then um, uh, when Leo also asked me for uh, something um, that he wants, said, okay, I do it, but you have to first answer a question. So like, how many sides they have on a triangle? And he's like, oh. because he wants the thing, so he's thinking, oh, three, okay. Then, okay, I go and do the stuff. So, you know, small things that we learn, but we have this discussion. So I think the most recent discussion we had uh, that we had to look into a, um, uh, um, a, a few psychologists to understand the answer is that if a kid in school goes and pushes Leo, which happens sometimes, is it right to teach for Leo to push back or to go talk to the, teacher. To the school, to the teacher or to punch or not to do anything or to scream or, and then, we had Bianca thought that one thing, uh, Bianca said, no, no, it's better he does nothing. And I was like, no, no, he has to push back. And then we were like, okay, I, 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 I think that's correct. You think the other way is correct. Let's see what the professionals say. So before actually entering a consensus on how to move this forward, we went, we researched a bit and say, look, the guys that we think that are more similar to the reasoning that we like, they say, okay, you, you push back. So, uh, and if the kid continues to push you all the time, you push back and at one point you talk to the teacher. <laughs> then we, we kind of follow this information to Leo. Um, but yeah, we, we, we try to, you do, you're not, there is no course to become a parent and every kid is different. So it's, it's extremely hard mm -hmm. to, to, and it requires a lot of time and effort to be a good parent because you need to research it's almost like a full-time job right you don't have the answers and sometimes what you think is common sense is not the right answer mm -hmm. uh, so uh, i'm lucky that i have time and bianca also that we can do this research and we can uh, try to pass this knowledge but you have quite an informed approach to your parenting right yeah that i try to have as much uh uh inform if if it's a topic that I'm not familiar with, I try to gather the most amount of information possible before I make a decision. That's very good, I think. That's very good. And um, do you think, because very often, you know, people say, I will raise my children in the same way that I was raised and my parents did it. Or other people say, I will do it completely opposite. Do you think about that? Do you think that you are replicating how your parents raised you or, or not? Um I think my parents, they did the best they could uh, to raise me. And I have zero complaints. I have an amazing childhood. I have an amazing mother, an amazing father. But of course, they did mistakes. I, I have done many mistakes already. And Leo is only four. So you know, what I try to do is to 
take the things that I think uh, make me a better person on the long term, not only on the short term, but you have to think about medium and long term and try to replicate those. <clears throat> and then the things that <clears throat> um, they were done, they were mistakes or they were not done in a good way because of the personality or because of lack of knowledge of my parents, I try to improve. But my standard, what I what I what I said, my standard is is like I have to be a better parent than my parents were. Um, how do I do this? How how can I improve on this? Because I had already a very good. But if everybody does that, society only gets better, right? So it's kind of um, how can I can I, how can I prepare Leo to be a at eighteen, let's say, better than I was when I was eighteen and that that's the root that's my let's say my benchmark that i'm trying to uh to compare myself to and how do you cope with because you, you travel a lot obviously for work how do you cope with that all your traveling having the kids <clears throat> um i try to reduce now them uh, a lot my traveling so uh before i was doing two championships when i had no kids and uh, now i do only formula e only one championship I try to, whenever I can, even if I have to spend more money to come back home early. And when I'm, I think the most important that, and I don't do that very well because I work a lot from the phone like everybody does. The time I am with my kids, mm. I try to be with my kids. I try to, I think sometimes it's much more important the quality time than the quantity of time mm. that you spend together. You can spend two hours on your phone and the kids playing around and you don't interact at all. Um, but you can spend like 20, 30 minutes in a, in a deep conversation or playing football with them or, you know, teaching them how to, to hit a forehand in tennis. I think that's, that's, the um, or, or Leo loves Lego. So, uh, or building a, a, a race car in Lego with him. Uh, it is much more important that I'm like three, four days a week there with him when he's there. And then not, um, uh, when I'm traveling, we have the that I didn't have, but now we have the the luxury of having FaceTime, so I can yeah. still speak a little bit with them. Uh, but Leo is in an age now that he knows I'm traveling. He knows what a week means, so it starts to be harder to travel. Like the other day, I was, I told him, "Look, I'm not gonna travel anymore for the next three weeks." And then the team called me and said, "You have to be on the simulator." So I told him, "Look, that is going to the UK." But gonna come back tomorrow. He was like, "Ah, but you promise you're not gonna travel anymore." I said, "Yeah, I did promise you, but I have to work." And I saw with um, a, a psychologist the other day a very good phrase that I, I loved it because I used to say to Leo, um, "Okay, Dad is going to work like every kid. Why you need to go to work there?" Mm. And the most common answer is, "I have to go to work because I need to make money to pay the bills." Mm. And then the kid gets this idea. I was doing that for until a month ago. And then the kids get this idea that you have to work to make money. It's like a machine, right? Yeah. And then this guy was saying, no, you tell your kids that you need to go to work because you're actually making a difference in the world. Even if it's a small difference, daddy is the only person okay. in the world that can do that specific thing. And that specific thing it's going to change the world for a better place, even if it's very small. And that's why daddy needs to go. But daddy will be back soon. 
And then I thought that was very, very cool because then the kid looks at you and said, yeah, you know, my dad is changing the world, <laughs> the world. you know, for a little <laughs> bit. And it creates that small seed in their mind that I want to be like my daddy. I want to change the world as well. And I, I think that's a much, much better approach than saying, look, I just need to go to work to, to, to make money, which we all do. But in the end, you know, it's it's how you communicate this process, especially when they are at this age. Yes, frame it. So uh, I really like that. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good, that's a good, good point, actually. I like that. And tell me something. If you have to define yourself as a parent, as a father, in three words, how would you define yourself? <coughs> um, um, it's a hard one, but I would say I'm, I'm dedicated. Um, effort. I put a lot of effort because, it's, again, it's not easy. And I, I, I try to be very logical on the approach. So, which is hard also. I, I do a lot of these mistakes, like not try to not get angry or nervous in some of the occasions that we all get. Uh, but if, when you look back, uh, and it's uh, the decisions or the act or the words you said when you were angry or nervous are not the best ones that you would have said in another context. So I try to be as logical and as calm as possible. But um, yeah, it, it is hard. Do you feel guilt often or not? <laughs> not often, but uh, I felt guilt before. Um I don't believe in, of course, uh, how to say, uh, hitting the kids. or, But also, sometimes I grab Leo strongly with the arm. Like, for example, the other day, he hit Beatrice. And I was like, look, if you hit Beatrice again, I'm going to hit you. Because you are much stronger than her. And I'm much stronger than you. Do you want me to hit you? And he was like, no, no, no. I said, then, okay, then you don't hit your sister anymore. She can hit you, but she won't even hurt you because she's only two. So you can, you are, you, you are the older one. You have to be responsible. So but I, I grabbed him and I was very angry. Um, I believe sometimes I, it worked with me. If my mom, my mom, I was, a, I was actually looking back. I didn't say that, but I was a very, very, I was a terrible child. I was, a, <laughs> I was, a, I was, a, I was, a, I was, I was, uh, my parents were very good, but I didn't say about my side. I was actually as a teenager, as late uh, infancy and teenager, I was actually very, very, I was a very good student. I very focused, but I, back home, I was, I used to be like, I was a devil. I was like, if I look back, if I would do the things that, uh, that I did and my mom to the point that she had to do something extreme, I would not stop. Like I would test further and further and further until my mm -hmm. mom like my mom already threw a ashtray on me she threw a fork one time because i was really like pushing her to the limit it was I not her fault at it. all at all uh like i would you know mess with the the neighbors i would uh, i mean at one one when i was nine years old my father bought fireworks so i found that he bought fireworks I went into the garage, I stole the key, I opened the door, I got the fireworks. I disassembled the fireworks and I created a huge bomb uh, <laughs> when I was nine. 
And I wanted to see what would have happened, happened. When, the, when the bomb exploded underwater. So I created a mechanism to put the, the bomb into the swimming pool. And then I put the bomb in the swimming pool and the bomb exploded and broke the swimming pool. So all the water drained out. So I went to sleep. The next day, my parents wake up and the, 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 the swimming pool is empty. And like, what happened? And then my father goes and finds out that I stole the fireworks. Lucas, what did you do? I said, um, yeah, that might have been me. Um, not sure, though. Maybe it's a coincidence, but I exploded a bomb in the swimming pool. So I was like nine or ten. And so I was like, really, uh, all in the name of science. Oh, in the name of science, but still. <laughs> and then one of these bombs actually exploded. I burned myself completely, my face. That was when I had like a break in my uh, racing career from 9 to 11. Um, uh, I, I got completely burned and um, I had to go to the hospital. I had to have some surgeries in my hand. But <laughs> I, I was not a easy, I was not like, not a easy, uh, easy. I, my father gave me a, um, you know, the, a gun with a small pellet, like a yeah. air pressure gun, right? When I was about twelve, so I went around the, the whole of my uh, condo in the countryside of Brazil, shooting at the, at the signs, at the public signs. That that, that so wasn't your the, that wasn't your father's finest moment, I have to say. <laughs> so then. Then all the 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 the, the signs the, the, they were completely marked, so they the, they had to re they had to redo the whole the thing. thing. I mean, there were twenty stories, one worse than another. So I was a very difficult child on this on this on this aspect. Um, but I was very good at school. I was very good with my brother. But on the other side, and that's I'm telling you this because I would only stop when my mom. We used to like I would go to the limit to see where could I go, and only when my father would like completely overshoot it or my mom, I would step back. So I think being hard and sometimes like not allowing the not at all allowing the children to do whatever they want all the time, mm -hmm. like creating the right boundaries, creating the relationship between friendship between parent and child, but at the same time knowing which one is the boss and which one is the other one. Okay. Because, uh, because otherwise, I see myself, my experience, uh, the, 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 some children maybe not, but I personally would push my parents to the very limit. Clearly, I mean, each child is different, but I think this trend that we're going through, like, you know, I am my child's best friend. No, I am the, I'm my child's mother. They only have one mother. They have many friends. And the only one that is going to tell things as they are is the parents, right? I so agree completely. Yeah. And, and children are different. You're right. Maybe right. some children, uh, you, you could be more friendly. Yeah. Others, you have to be more of a, like a boss or like a, like a more strict. You have to play this, this, this nuanced game. But in the end, at one point, the children must know who actually it's makes hard. the decision. Exactly. Uh, I, think, is in I, charge think, yeah. I think you can be warm, of course, and you have to, and your kids can confide in you and they can tell you things and, you know, you can have a great time. But at the end of the day, they have to know that, you know, the parents are in charge. I think that's really important. And on that note, and with this I finish, any, you know, to any new parents that might be listening, any word of advice, any tip for new parents from your experience so far? I would say that 
one thing that I focus a lot is that from the from the research that is done currently about brain development, you can really influence your child development up to four year old, up to four year olds. And so this stage of their life is extremely important that you're present and you do the right thing. And for a new parent, you don't know this because you never had a child before. So the more you can study and the more you can actually be a good parent in this special moment of their life, which is from zero to four, uh, is what will make more most of the difference for their rest of their life. So if you have to focus a moment, if you have to take a break from more uh, work, or if you have to travel a bit less in that period, try to, to be the best. If you have to choose, if you have really to choose, try to be the best uh, parent you can at that period and try to incentivize them as most as you can in that range. Um, this will create the best, the possible best outcome out of your of your children. And um, it's a time you can never catch back. Uh, so you have to really be there. Yeah, absolutely. Lucas de Grasse, it's been a total pleasure. Thank you so much for talking about that. Thank you very much. It's been, uh, it's been great. Thank you very, very much for the mm-hmm. invitation. We wish you all the best for your in your professional career and your family as well, for your family as well. Thank you very much. Thank you, Lucas.